Howdy, Wild Detectives. Thank you so much for coming out to Inner Moonlight. I am your host, Logan Cure. We are the monthly poetry reading series right here at the Wild Detectives. We do this show the second Wednesday of every month. We are proudly sponsored by the Writer's Garrett. Let's hear it for the Writer's Garrett. We have a super special show for you tonight. Um, so as you know, I usually feature poets, but sometimes I find a brilliant writer in another genre, and I gotta bring that brilliant writer to you. So tonight we are going to hear from graphic novelist Christine Suggs. You'll see some of the beautiful art prints hanging up here along these beautiful lines. We distributed some books amongst the tables in case you want to look at the gorgeous art, follow along with the story, and especially if you want to purchase that book. So how tonight is going to go, we are going to hear from Christine, and then we'll take a brief intermission, during which time you can buy a drink, buy a book, tip your bartender, and then come back and sign up for the open mic. So the open mic is limited. It is one poem per poet. It is a short list. We keep it bright and respectful here at the Wild Detectives. So if you have a poem in your pocket, if you have a poem on your iPhone, if you have a poem on the back of a receipt, and you're thinking deep down in your heart, you want to read that poem tonight, you come find me during intermission, I'll put you on the list. Open mic is always an adventure, and I can't wait to see what y'all have for me tonight. So I'm going to introduce our reader. Christine Suggs is a comic artist and designer living right here in Dallas with their wonderful partner, Dog and Cat. Their debut book, I Niha is a YA graphic novel about spending their summers in Mexico as a teen and was released in spring 2023 from Little Brown Young Readers. Christine's work explores the intersection of their identities, namely being queer, fat, Latinx feminist who loves all things cute. Bonus facts, their day job is in app design. They're an avid Dungeons and Dragons player and they're quite obsessed with cats. Please welcome Christine. Hi. <laughs> Howdy. Howdy. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm so stoked that you're here. Um, me too. Yeah, I'm trying not to like embarrass myself with the fangirling. Um, the first thing I always ask my features is, what's good? So tell me something good, Christine. I tested negative for COVID today. Yay! Yay. <laughs> I've been in my house for like five days straight, just in one room. It's been really terrible. <laughs> Are you feeling all right? Yes. Good. Yes. Good. Well, it's a beautiful night for some literature. I always have to share something good, too, and my good thing is that it's not a million degrees. Yes. I am so, so stoked to hear you read, um, and we please read to us. I will. Thank okay. You. If you have one of these handy-dandy books at your table, I'll be starting with chapter two. This is like gay church now, like turn, turn to your missalette. <laughs> any, any Catholics out there? <laughs> okay. So, I'm gonna start there, and it's a comic, right? So, ideally you'd be looking at the pictures, but I will do my best to narrate what's happening. I've never done this before, so give me a little leeway, but I'm gonna do my best. All right, so we open up on a mall, and we have my mom talking to her sister, my aunt, Tia Patti. ¿Qué crees para mamá? And Patti replies, no me gusta el color. Mom looks over to the fitting room where I am, and she says, Chris, ¿cómo te ves? Chris is my nickname in Spanish. Um, it's spelled C-R-I-S. And I reply from the fitting room, ¿cómo se dice I look like a fat mess? 
Mom and Patty look at each other, kind of like exasperated smile, like we've heard this one before. And Patty says, Venta, mija, déjame ver. I step out, super shy. Do I really need shorts? And they both say at the same time, si. Patty says, te ves bien. And I say, I'll just pack my jeans, it'll be fine. Mom turns back to the clothing rack. In español, por favor. We never last long when we practice like this. I respond, okay, como se dice jeans? And Patty says, jeans. <laughs> and I say, los jeans, seriously? See, sí. and you know, we have a good laugh. I put my beloved jeans back on. We've been playing this game for years. My mom will say something like, no more English at the table. We're going to practice our Spanish. Flashback sequence here to the family dinner table. My brother, older brother by three years, leans over. Como estas? And I reply, muy bien, y tu? Bien, gracias. <laughs> Just the worst conversational Spanish you've ever heard. Uh, and it always breaks down eventually. Como se dice, uh, can I just go do my homework? I know they want me to be better at Spanish, and I'm trying. Okay. Mom hands me a gigantic stack of clothing, like huge. Para Mari, a ella le gustan los colores oscuros. ¿Te acuerdas? And then I'm barely able to contain them. Uh, see, I think. They always buy so many gifts. Maybe it's to make up for the fact that they can't be there more. We're at the register checking out. My aunt is still looking at purses because of course she is. And we have to say, yeah, Patty, come on, let's go. We leave the store full of bags. I know they miss their family, but plane tickets are expensive. Grady went alone a few years ago. That's my older brother. And now it's my turn to spend time with Mama, Papa, and Mari, and to hopefully get better at Spanish. Maybe this is the summer it'll finally stick. A few weeks later, we are packing a gigantic suitcase full of gifts and clothes, but mostly gifts. Mom is folding more clothes, and this one is for Mama. And Patty replies, Kevin, put everything in stacks so she knows who gets what. And I reply, you guys, I really don't think we can fit anything else. Dad, nah, you'll be fine. I can fit at least 10 more shirts in here. Why are dads always obsessed with cramming more stuff in suitcases? Mom comes up with more clothes, just as he's gotten the suitcase to actually zip. Don't let them pay for everything, okay? And dad says, if you really need it, Tia Mari knows more English than she lets on. My mom sees the clock. Híjole, it's late. You should get to bed. Dad turns to me. Get some sleep, sweetheart. We leave for the airport at 5 a.m. Yeah, that's because you're ridiculous. Just a Marine. I turn to my aunt, a little awkward, and she says, good night, baby. We hug, and I tell her, I wish you could come. And she says, I know, baby, but I have to work. We both know the real reason she can't come. I turn away, go back to my room with my beloved childhood cat, settle down in my bed, and I decide to call my brother. Grady's gone by himself before. He answers the phone. Hey, butthead. Hey, loser. If you have a sibling, you know, this is the only acceptable way to talk to each other. <laughs> I lean back on my bed, and he asks, ready for your trip? And I say, I'm excited, nervous. How did you handle it? Eh, you know me, I'm easy. Put some tacos in me, and I'm happy. And before you know it, mom will be there with you, and it'll get a lot easier. 
I respond. I wish she didn't have to work so she could come longer. Or you could come. He says, I know, I got this annoying thing called a job. Uh, I didn't mention this, but there's a little guy in this book. They're called Little Christine. They're kind of like, have you seen Lizzie McGuire? It's like that. <laughs> and they chime in and say, extremely annoying. Grady continues, don't worry, they spoil you down there. It'll be great. Eat some good food for me, okay? I stick my tongue out, as long as it's not spicy. And he says, that's the best part. And then we start chatting about webcomics, as you do in the early aughts. So that's chapter two. I'm gonna jump ahead now over to chapter five. Now I've actually arrived in Mexico City. That's where my grandparents live. And I'm there on my own for the next few weeks. And I'm there with my grandmother, Mama, and my uh, grandfather, Papa. I am not allowed to call them mis abuelos. It makes them feel old. And I'm also there with my tia Mari. All right, stumbling out of bed, messy hair, going down the hallway first thing in the morning. Mama pops out. Buenos dias, Chris. Buenos dias, Mama. ¿Tienes hambre? Sí, un poquito. And then she hands me a plate full of food. ¿Te gustan los licuados? Sí, mi mamá. Um, Cocinalos? Little Christine pipes in. Sorry, I don't know the word for blending. I still don't. Then we've got a beautiful spread of all the delicious food you have for breakfast because breakfast is a multi-course meal here. You have the boxed milk, which tastes gross to me. No offense. Banana smoothie with a touch of cinnamon vanilla, just like mom makes at home. That's the licuado. And you've got eggs, you've got ham, you've got more pan dulce, and you have papaya. Pro tip, that is a laxative. Please be careful. <laughs> you've got a long day ahead. You learn to eat slowly or mama will try to refill your plate. And here she is shoving more eggs in my plate as I'm like, ah, no. <laughs> I know mas, mama, por favor. She leans in and does that thing our beloved family members love to do, which is squeeze you right here. And she says, ay, mija, tienes una pancita, pero estás muy guapa. Si haces ejercicio, desaparecerá pronto. Little Christine thinks, panza, stomach, exercise. Oh. Tia Mari comes in. Buenos dias, Gris. My family all has the same body shape. It feels nice being around people who look like me. Still, I know it bothers everyone that we're fat. It bothers me too. I used to think I'd lose my baby fat like my brother did when he hit a growth spurt. There's a picture of him playing soccer. He was a lot better at it than I was. Papa joins the table now. It never happened. Do all families eat like ours? We've got a flashback again to the family dinner table back home. At home, we have a joke that when you talk about plans for food while you're eating, it's called being Mexican. Maybe it's just part of our culture. I managed to plug in a chunky laptop from 2009 and I messaged my mom back home. Hey mom, finally got on the Wi-Fi. took forever. Hey baby, miss you already. Glad you got the computer working. How's the Spanish going? It's fine, just getting used to it, I guess. Be patient, they love you very much. Take lots of pictures for us, love you. So we leave the apartment for the day and I step out onto the little balcony. It's this big apartment building, and I see a neighbor, and she's like, you don't go here, what are you doing? <laughs> it's weird having the whitest complexion in the family. Mama swoops in. Es mi nieta, la hija de Vero. She says, mucho gusto. And we continue on our way, walking down the street. This is the biggest city I've ever been, from, been in. Uh, 
I am from Longview, Texas, if you're familiar. Hey. Oh, hi. <laughs> love it. Love more East Texas rep. <laughs> and so, yeah, I'm over here like, what are these skyscrapers about? You know, we're, we're right next to the Pemex building. If you've been to Mexico City, that's kind of the neighborhood we're in. And we get in a pesero. And uh, let's see. At least the taxis don't upcharge us. They do that whenever dad comes along. <laughs> and we make our way down the streets. I'm trying to follow as closely as possible, but then I see one of the many unusual sights in Mexico City, one of the classic standbys, which is a rack of nudie magazines. Uh, fun fact, I didn't know women, all women had nipples <laughs> because I grew up watching so many commercials for like telenovelas and like things like that where they blur it out. And so I was like, am I supposed to have these? <laughs> anyway, I see one of these mysterious women and little queer Christine, who doesn't know they're queer yet, is very confused. Uh, but Mama quickly calls them away. Vente, Christine. And I shuffle on out of there. And we get to our destination, which is Chapel de Peck, one of the largest urban green spaces in the world. Chapel de Peck is a traditional visit for me. I've toured it a million times, but I always forget the story until I... Uh, I toured it a million times, but I always forget the story until the next time I visit. I'm looking into the palace now. It's this really beautiful castle. Grady and I were too busy making up games. We pretend there are trapdoors everywhere to trick the Americans. The castle was the site of a battle during the Mexican-American War. My dad was a Marine, like the US soldiers who fought there. I wonder if it was strange for him and mom to come here together. I'm looking at like the old Marine uniforms they had in like some of the display cases. It's a really cool museum if you get a chance. I try to sketch the mural, but it's too much, too intense. The story goes that one of the young cadets threw himself off the castle to stop the enemy from getting the Mexican flag. They call him one of Los Niños Héroes. This is really beautiful mural, really, I mean, it's intense and it's got these great brushstrokes and it's up on the ceiling. Um, so yeah, check that out. I'm walking past the fountain. The mascot of Chapel de Peck is like a little cricket. So he kind of shows up everywhere and there's a little cricket fountain. He's really cute. And I go over to the big balcony. My parents had their first date at a nearby cafe. Got some family photos here. Beautiful 80s hair happening. Wish you could see it. My mom was a translator working at the American Embassy. She was one of the only Mexicans on her floor. You had to get clearance to work there. She was just 24 when she met my dad. They got engaged within seven months and married two months after that. We move outside now uh, where there are traditional dancers. It's like this giant pole. like. I don't know how tall, honestly, uh, probably at least 100 feet. I'm bad at scale. <laughs> and there are these people, like indigenous clothing and music, and they just like jump off of this thing and swing around, some of them playing instruments. It's nuts. <laughs> it seems so risky to me to take a chance like that. Will I ever love someone so much to leave everything I've ever known? I look back at my family who are looking at the dancers. I guess I'm doing it now in a way. Mama takes my hand. Lista? And I say, si, vámonos. We get on the subway, and I look out the window. I wonder what it was like. Flashback to my mom in a little polo uniform. When mom got to the States, it must have been so different from her life here. She went from working in an embassy to taking fast food jobs. Now she works for the school district. There's a flashback of me nudging her conspiratorially. Can you get me the easy math teacher? She says, we'll see. She didn't. My mom is the smartest person I know, but she can't get promoted because she doesn't have a college degree. And that's the first few chapters that I'm going to read.
Perfect. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thanks. So, um, the I in this book yeah. is you. Like the I of I, Mija? Um, the I <laughs> is in like the oh. speaker I. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yes. So this is a memoir. It's okay. written in circa 2009. Um, and I was 16. So this is okay. all about little teen Christine and all their big feelings. <laughs> yes, okay. Um, the memoir genre is uh, gutsy. It's both. Um, so talk to me a little bit about what this book has been like in the world. It's weird. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It, like I've been sharing work online about myself for so long that like it doesn't bother me anymore. I'm just like I don't know what else to do. Like I'm just kind of a chronic oversharer, <laughs> and like my husband will be like, I don't know how you deal with this. Like everyone knows all your biggest, biggest stuff. It's just out there, and I'm like. I don't know what else to do. <laughs> so, I don't know. I feel like it's just how I want to connect with people is to get to those big conversations. Yes, and from that, in your your bio talked about like it's coming from your specific intersection of identities, and you're right that coming from a specific place gives you a much greater chance of connecting with lots of people. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, you started writing the book in 2009. So? Well, that's when the events took place. Events Sorry. took place. Yeah. Okay. So when did you start writing? The book? I started writing it in 2020. Fun times. Okay. <laughs> I got the book deal like at the end of 2019. So yeah, I spent most of 2020 in my bathroom staring out into space, just like, what am I doing? So <laughs> super fun. <laughs> okay. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about how you arrived at a book deal? I'm always curious how this happens. <laughs> it was super backwards. Don't like take this as a way to do it because it was weird. Uh, basically I've been posting comics online for, you know, 10 plus years going all the way back to Tumblr. <laughs> and then, um, I like made a decision to like really try to focus more on my illustration work and like sat down and made some goals. And I started working with the Washington Post. They have a gender and identity section. It used to be called the Lily. Uh, it's still running now, but um, it's just kind of like integrated into their main site. And I got to do some work for them and that really helped get more followers. And eventually two different editors from different publishing houses got in my DMs. Wow. <laughs> so I Googled how to get an agent and went from there. Oh my God. <laughs> They literally slid into your DMs. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> As a person who also slid into your DMs, I, I see how that happens. It's an effective method. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so then you got an agent. Yes. Okay. Okay, how did you manage that? I went to Manuscript Wishlist and just kind of searched for people that I thought I could vibe with. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I, it really helped that I had names to give them, like, hey, this person from this publishing house wants to talk to me. Can you yeah. help me? So yeah, I technically have two agents, which makes me sound very fancy. So <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's what I liked about my agent. She was really honest with me. She was like, don't quit your day job. And yeah. I'm going to bring in someone else who knows more about graphic novels than I do. So I'm like, all right, you're like speaking my language. You're realistic, both in like what I can do and what you can do. That's great. Wow. Okay. So you said it came out in spring of 2023. Yes. So have you been touring? Like, talk to me about your appearances before this one. Yeah, so I did quite a few events. I did a couple in Dallas. I did one at uh, Who's Books over at Tyler Street. Uh, they actually changed locations recently, but that's a great bookstore. I had my opening at uh, the Oak Cliff Cultural Center, and that was really fun. I put up pinatas, and it was a great time. 
And then I also did a couple events in Austin, one at Book Woman, and then there was a, a Texas Librarian Conference there as well in San Antonio. Uh, I recently went to San Francisco to do a reading there with uh, Maya Kobabe, author of Genderqueer. Uh, oh, so that okay. was really cool. That's cool. Yeah, I got to meet him and I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I'm going to New York at the end of the month. So that'll be fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, okay. So I'm a poet, right? And it's hard for me to, to tell a cohesive story. My, <laughs> my, you know, I, I can do it, but I do it over fragments, right? <laughs> so I'm always really fascinated to hear about people's process of story, like how you create something that arcs and and for you that involves all of these beautiful images right so can you talk a little bit about process sure i am a words first person like and i like to kind of say that i cheat because it's auto bio so i get to like say well, okay what happened let me write it down and so with this it's kind of a combination of two different trips one i took in middle school and one i took later in high school i loved it so much i did it again and so i just try to pull out like what are my like peak memories when I put myself back in that headspace, like what do I always think of? Um, and it's like little things like going to the markets with my family or, you know, ordering way too much gorditas on the street after you've just eaten. <laughs> and so I just wrote down, like, I call it the word vomit stage. I don't know if you're familiar, but yes, yes. Just, just type, <laughs> just type and don't stop typing. And eventually I started scooching things around because memory is weird and, you know, trying to get things in order is always going to be like hard. So I was like, what makes sense for the story? Yeah. Um, and I also, I called my mom and I asked her what she remembered and that was really fun just to like get her perspective on it. Like asking her questions I'd never bothered to ask, like why did you send me to Mexico <laughs> by myself and stuff like that. So it was a really, it was a really great process like in terms of like getting to reconnect with those memories, looking up old photos and things like that. That's beautiful. So you said words first. Words first. Okay. <laughs> okay. And then it's the process of of creating all of the images. Yeah, so I, I turned in my script and that went through a couple of revisions with my editor. And then I did thumbnails, which are teeny tiny sketches, okay. uh, just so I can kind of get the pacing figured out. I didn't know what I was doing, honestly, if I'm being really totally honest. I mostly make digital work for Instagram. You know, 10 page limit, boom, done. I said what I needed to say. Yeah. So I was really intimidated going into like a long form story. I'd never attempted that. Okay. So. I just kind of did it and I tried not to like worry about it too much. Yeah. I just kind of followed my gut of like, this is what I think will look cool and what makes sense to me pacing wise. Like this is how I want to treat flashbacks. Like, let's just do it. Yeah. So I guess it worked. <laughs> yes. Yes. In my perception, it is working. Yes. Okay, great. <laughs> yes. So one of the things that is so bold about the memoir genre is that it involves real people other than yourself. Um, so what has that been like having a story about real people who are alive right now? Um, that you wrote out in the world? <laughs> uh, very nerve-wracking. Ask my therapist. Uh, <laughs> I was like, my parents are going to learn so much about me. <laughs> like, oh, like, you know, putting out the words like, oh, yeah, like, this is about a queer person. And, like, it's about someone who's questioning, like, being raised Catholic and, like, all these heavy topics that, like, my parents knew, but they didn't, like, no, no. So it felt really scary to hand this thing over to them. And they ended up loving it. They all cried all three of them I consider my aunt another parent and they were they're like my number one fans so it worked out great but it was very scary and it was very like vulnerable and just took a lot of trust of like I'm handing you this thing that's basically a love letter to my mom and my aunt and to this country 
that they are from and we all love so much and I'm gonna put some weird stuff in there too yeah. <laughs> so I try to put it in a good package <laughs> <laughs> so I, I teach creative writing and one of the things that comes up with my students who write in two languages is they're always curious if they need to clarify what their, their first language translates to in English mm. is this something that you thought about in writing in two languages yes so I started the draft translating everything down to the last ola because i think when you grow up in texas you're like everyone knows spanish right like at least some like we can all fumble our way through like that sick taco place down the street right like <laughs> and i tested it out on some friends too but my my editor pushed back on me and was like trust your reader like they're gonna learn with you they're gonna like be put in the seat of christine like teen christine learning spanish throughout the book and i decided to go with that and i'm really happy i did because it ends up reading like much better and like I include context clues the character of little Christine holds up like flashcards and like loteria cards and conjugation charts and like all these different ways to help the reader kind of like see and understand what's going on and hopefully not get lost I, I did test it on some people like You're, you don't speak Spanish what do you think so <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I'm really glad I, I went with that and kind of like took that leap of faith <laughs> I mean everybody literally carries a computer in their pocket Yeah, I mean, yeah. worst case, they can do a Google. <laughs> Is there something that you wish somebody would ask you about this book? Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. It's a tough question. <laughs> It is. Yeah. Um, I guess what I've been thinking about lately is the impact of it or, like, have I met a goal? I think as an author, like, you throw something out there and, like, especially getting a book deal, you're so excited. You're like, I'm going to be a star. <laughs> you know? And then it happens and like, it all, it doesn't always meet with expectations. And like, there's just so many factors that are out of your control that I'm really trying to lean into the fact that like, I made a book that made all three of my parents cry. And <laughs> I had a great party with my friends and I'm really proud of it. Like I did a thing and it's like a big chunky boy. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like 230 pages and I drew that. And <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to lean more into that. I I don't know how to make that into a question or an answer, but that's no, just that's what's been answer. in my mind lately. Yeah. It's just, I think, you know, being online and seeing other people's successes, it can make you feel like yours own don't matter as much. So I'm trying to get better about that. Yeah, that makes sense. Was it always a young adult project? I didn't know it would be. I just make comics for whoever. Okay. <laughs> and then my editor was like, yeah, we want a YA story from you. So, okay. which was kind of hard because like, Teen Christine is a very different person than adult Christine. They didn't know they were queer. They were also like hated their bodies so much, but were also the thinnest I'd ever been. So it was a real trip to look through those photos and be like, you were tiny. And like, you were bullied for being fat. Like how cognitive dissonance, you know? Yeah. So, and then trying to translate that into drawing of like, okay, how do I draw this person that felt this way about their body clearly had issues, but they're, I don't want to co-opt the narrative of someone larger. Like it was really challenging and like, it was tough going back to that headspace too. Like I listened to all my old playlists and I'm like, I'm sad. Oh, so, yeah. Gosh, you really went for it with the I feelings. Did. Yeah. I dove right in. It was not great. <laughs> I caught myself like driving and crying one point. I'm like, okay, I gotta stop. <laughs> Have you gotten to connect with young adult readers? Yeah, yeah, I've gotten to meet some people like at events and things and then like I've gotten really sweet emails and messages from people being like, I actually feel seen in this, like really specific stories. Like one person was like, yeah, I'm also like 
half white and like my dad's white and like we have some Irish background like all this stuff like it was kind of creepy like he served in the military too and I was like whoa we're the same person <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's been really great like hearing from them and hearing like how the story has resonated yes it is so lovely to hear from fans if, if you are a person who has enjoyed a book and you have the means to reach out to an author and say like hey I love that um, yes it means so much <laughs> it really does <laughs> um, I would love it if you could read for us some more yeah thank you All right, I'm jumping to chapter 11. So at this point, we are in the countryside. I'm talking chickens on the road, cows on the road. You will have to stop and let the cows run past you. It takes a long time. And uh, we are in the state of Querétaro. I'm really bad at saying that state. I wish we were from a more chill state to say. <laughs> but it's just a couple hours, I believe, south of Mexico City. I don't have my map in front of me. I always fall asleep on the trip, so I'm never quite sure. Okay. So the opening page for this, I'll just try to show you kindergarten teacher style, but this is us driving in to the house. Uh, we have this really lovely property with a courtyard in the middle. We've just come back from the Mercado. We have all of our pistachios. We have all of our pepitas, the little pumpkin seeds. We have all of our snacks and we set out this bamboo mat that we just purchased. And I'm just like living it up. My mom is here now, so I'm so happy I've got my bud and we can sometimes talk English if we're quiet. <laughs> and we're just enjoying being outside. This is the mesquite tree, I love mesquite trees. And mama, or not mama, my mama. <laughs> Mom turns to Mari. Sorry, I haven't read this chapter before, so my Spanish is gonna be a little rough. Okay, <laughs> she turns to Tia Mari. Recuerdas Mari, cuando mama Maria nos contaba historias de miedo? Y no podíamos dormir, she says. And little Christine thinks, do you remember stories? And they couldn't sleep. And I kind of sheepishly poke my mom and I say, I think I got most of it, but, and she turns to me and she says, oh, our grandmother would tell us the scariest stories like La Llorona. Do you know that one? I'm like, yeah, it's super scary. And mom continues. And then she'd just say, good night and leave us all alone in the dark. We wouldn't sleep at all. And I'd laugh and say, that's so mean. Little Christine is struggling to open some pistachio shells. Mom only comes here once a year. I wish we could afford to visit more or that Mama and Papa could come visit us, but they're on a fixed income. I look over at Mom and Mari laughing, just like best friends reunited after years. I wonder what it's like not seeing your family for so long. I missed Mom and it's only been two weeks. Mom gets up. Mira, Christine, tu hamaca. It's Mia. And we fight over it and we barely fit in it. <laughs> and it's very close to the ground at this point, but we have a great time snuggling up in the, the hammock that my grandfather set up for me. Papa gets out this big cooking, like kind of like a comal, but you can put it right on the fire. And uh, Mari starts chopping vegetables just right out there. And we eat outside and it's beautiful. These cactuses have been there for probably generations of Venduras. And, uh, you know, I can see like family photos of like my, my mom and her sisters and her brothers, just like really small and all right next to this like big organo right here. And I turn to my mom and I say, como se dice cauliflower? And she says, coliflor. And I turn to mama and I say, mama, me gusta tu coliflor. And she says, gracias. I turn to my mom and I say, seriously, I usually hate it. <laughs> and she says, me too. I think it's good because it's roasted over the fire. Uh, I don't know. I, I grew up with boiled vegetables for some reason. <laughs> don't do that to your vegetables. 
that night we're all snuggled up in the living room. I'm trying to get through my summer reading assignment. And mom turns to me and says, Terminaste con tus lecturas de colegio? Well, Charles Dickens deserved to die in my opinion. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not, I'm not a fan. Uh, and Tia Marias, ¿qué dice? And mom says, No le gustan los libros asignados por la escuela. Le gustan otros libros, pero estos. And she says, Ah, pobre. It's kind of rude to speak English in front of people who can't speak English. And so it's just this really awkward situation where you're like, I just want to talk to my mom, but also I can't because it's rude. We get ready for bed and brush our teeth. Mom pulls down the covers and gets in bed, pulls out her phone. She says, I keep trying to text dad, but the signal is awful. Uh, at this time, I think we were still on an international plan that was one text a day. So fun. And I say, tell me about it. I've been dying without the internet. She turns to me kind of worried. She says, it's not so bad, right? And I say, no, I love it, actually. It's so nice here. And we sit in our little shared bed, and I look over, and I say, was it hard to leave when you came to the States? And she looks away and says, it was. I'd never left the country before. And then I moved to North Carolina. And your dad, he was always on deployment. I didn't know anybody, and nobody spoke Spanish. My English was good, but I still had an accent. I can't hear my mom's accent. Anyone else like that? <laughs> like my friends would come over and be like, what does your mom say? I'm like, that was very clear. <laughs> I say, I, I can't imagine what that's like. She tells me a little conspiratorially again. She says, you know, I almost left. I even packed a suitcase. And I say, really? And she takes my hand and says, it's not because I didn't love your dad. I was just so alone. I say, yeah, that makes sense. And she says, you know what my mom told me? She said, come home if you need to. It didn't matter that I was married. She just wanted me to know that there was always a place for me, just like that. And I say, wow. And she's like super Catholic. She says, she is. And you think I'm bad for making you go to CCD. Uh, that's like Catholic Sunday school, if you've never, if you've never been privileged to go. <laughs> and I say, mama is next level. We turn off the lights and get ready to go to sleep. I roll over and think, I don't know if I'm that strong. I wonder if I'll ever need to be. And that's the end. Well, the end of that chapter. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, so tell us what is next for your work? Yeah, so I was fortunate enough to get a two book deal with Little Brown. So I am already in, on sketches for the next book. So I'm deep in my drawing hole. <laughs> it's nice to be out of it. Um, and yeah, so it is going to be fictional, but still based on my life, so I can still cheat and use that as the basic narrative. <laughs> but it's fictional, so I get to write like an out non-binary character and like a plus-size character and like put in a gay love story and do stuff that I wouldn't be able to if I stuck to memoir. So yeah. That's awesome. Okay, well, it'll be YA? Yes, it'll be YA. Okay. And it's about this teenager getting into this pre-college program um, and it's in Baltimore and they go and it's a great time and they really find their community and they find a cute girl that likes them back and it's going great and then they realize I cannot afford to go to school here <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of about that like heartbreak and that real financial decision that young people are forced to make in this country of like what do I do so yeah, yeah. awesome okay so tell us where our lovely audience members can follow you, find out more about your work. Great. Uh, I am on Instagram at CSUGS Illustration, Twitter at CSUGS Illo if you want to see me talk about Star Trek a lot. And uh, my website is just ChristineSuggs.com. Yes. Okay. So on the tables, we have some copies of Christine's book, 
Um, I hope you have been following along, looking at the art. I also hope that you will purchase that book. Please. Yes, please purchase that book. <laughs> I'll sign um, it and I'll draw you a cat. Yes, you definitely need Christine to draw you a cat tonight. <laughs> um, so thank you so much, Christine. Let's hear it for Christine. Thank you so much. We have reached intermission. So it is now time to buy a drink, buy a book, buy Christine's book, tip your bartender, and let me know if you want to be on that open mic list. For my podcast listeners, I'll see you next month.